this morning. Wonderful Lord Jesus. So many promises you have in store for a believer. These aren't promises that expire over time. If so many, the first hundred people, the first thousand people, the first million people, it cannot expire because they're anchored in that boundless supply of the Creator. Lord, we come to you this morning as a believer. Lord, we're still here in this world fighting many hard battles. A lot of things that presses against us every second of our day. This flesh we're still fighting every second of the day. All the, the demons of hell come against us every second of the day. And, and it, it is a hot battle. It is very hard and seems very pressing many times, Lord. But, but we've come to understand that every test, every trial, every tribulation, every fiery furnace is only to burn the dross off the world off, the worldly cares, the, the things that anchor us to this world. Lord, we pray you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on that prize, as Paul would tell us, and never look away, Lord God, but, but let the peace that comes from that truth of knowing, Lord God, that that's where we're going. You said, I prepared a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. Lord, we believe you're the only thing that is true, and we trust you this morning. We appreciate your kindness and grace to us. Lord, as we come now to the ministry of your word, Lord, your word sets the captives free. Lord, you're still the great conqueror this morning. You're still the mighty and battle God that we serve. Lord, as your word comes forth and your presence saturates this room, that, Lord, you'll slay every enemy. Every enemy, Lord, you would lay them out, Lord God, in your presence, Father, that not one can stand before you because I know ain't no demon in hell can stand before you. Lord, we come before you this morning and ask that you would set us free, Lord, from, from anything Satan's trying to put on us, from no matter what be, whether it be a spirit of fear, a spirit of doubt, whatever it might be, it's going to die today. Amen. Lord, we trust your word. We believe that you're the living God. Your word says that you're still a consuming fire. So, Lord, I pray you consume this whole church today, that you would set us on fire with your Holy Ghost, Lord, that your word can do what it's meant to do today. We lean heavily against you, Lord Jesus. We trust you and appreciate you, Father. Bless our brothers and sisters here today in such a special way. Be with them, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. We adore you with all that's within us. In your mighty and lovely name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. <clears throat> While you're standing, if we just turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Please. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. God bless each one of you this morning. I really appreciate Brother Nathan filling in for us today. Amen. Sister Emma, Sister Cindy being here this weekend, they're always such a blessing to us. I don't know how I messed up or didn't get you to sing. Sometimes I don't know where my mind goes, so forgive me for that. But Lord bless you this morning. You know, we sit here, each one of us, we, we call ourselves believers. Oh, that's fine. Thank you, Joseph. We call yourself a believer, each one of us, no matter where you're at in your walk with the Lord, whether you're nine years old, whether you're you know, old enough, whatever it might be, you call yourself a believer. Now, Jesus would tell you that it's by their fruits you'll know them. Amen. It's by their fruits you'll know them. But also, I want to tell you this, that by the fruit of God, you'll know him. Amen. By the fruit of God, you'll know him. And, and that's what's the problem with so many other people in this world today, they claim a certain thing, but there's no fruit to of God in it. There's no fruit of life in it. There's no fruit of truth in it. See, the truth sets free. 
That simple. It's just that simple. I don't care how long it's been holding you. I don't care what that grip looks like. I don't care what the chains look like. The truth sets free. This is what God does. If you look in chapter 13, verse 3, I want to read just three verses there down to verse 6. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall... Excuse me, we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. I'm going to read it for you again. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives, liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. But I trust that you shall know that we're not reprobates. You may be seated this morning. Not sure what to call this yet. I'm here this morning to attack that spirit of fear. I say it again. I'm here this morning to attack that spirit of fear. We'll see what the Lord allows. Again, I've got a lot of material and see what God will let me get to. But as I was praying before service Wednesday night, <clears throat> and the Lord had had my heart to go a certain way. And, and, and it's, it's funny, Wednesday night before church, uh, before about I go 2 or 3 o'clock, we're sitting in my bedroom on the floor there. And, and Lily said, Dad, we need to have a testimonial service tonight. And I said, honey, I don't know that's the way the Lord's going to go. I kind of feel like he's going to go this other way. And she said, I still feel like we should have a testimonial service. We did. We did. I love that. We have no restrictions. We have no restrictions. You've got something on your heart. You give glory to God. It's only the, it's only it's during the ministering of the word, which is a subject to the prophet. As far as as far as when that you, you don't run into that time. If there's something that God puts in my heart to have you stand up and say, that's something different. But when I'm when whenever the minister has control, that's what God is speaking through. But in the worship services, God, we ask you. You got something on your heart? Testify of it. Give glory to God. Give him praise. At the end of the service, if there's something on your hand, heart, you want to raise your hand. You know, Lord, I, if you'd permit, I've got something I'd like to share with the people. You see, I, I love a testimony. You know that about me. I love testimony. See, testimony tells you if what we're preaching is right. It's what, <clears throat> otherwise, you, know, you come in, we sing some songs, I preach to you, you go home and you walk out the same way you walked in. The word is meant to change us every single day. So the word is meant to change us. John would say that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If we were to look over to where the conversation between the Lord Jesus and Cleopas and his friend, he steps out of the bushes, the prophet would say, he's walking down the street with them and he's explaining and expounding the scriptures to them. And at the end of that day, their testimony, their response was, have our heart burned within us as he walked and talked with us along the way. So you see what the church service should be like if it's the Lord speaking. If it's not the Lord speaking, we've got to stop everything, back up, and reexamine. I don't care if you're, uh, if you're the pastor, if you're the deacon, if you're a laity, we've got to stop right there and examine every single thing. I- I've shared that quote with you here recently that Brother Brown talked about there's so many of the body of Christ are not in marching condition. They're not in marching condition. The prophet was showed a vision of a preview of the bride. And he said they were all perfectly dressed. Long hair, long skirts, long to the floor. And they're all working perfectly, walking perfectly. 
perfectly in step, marching upward, not downward, not just around, but upward. This is the vision. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you and me today. Because I don't believe that was just for 1960 whenever the vision was given. I believe it was for 2023 right now. Because I'm looking at part of the body of Christ. And a lot of us need to get in marching condition. That simple. you got to get in marching condition. For example, if you're marching. You think about this, dads and moms. If you're marching, there's someone behind you. If you're in a line, there's someone behind you. Now, as we stand here, we've got all of our, our, all the saints that have gone before us, and we're following in those footsteps. I've, I've quoted to you before that song that, by the Crab family that's talking to, said, I'm looking at that mountain that's, that's just a sheer wall, almost so steep and flat. It's a sheer wall. No one can climb that mountain. And he said in the song, while I'm looking at the mountain, I see footprints up the side of that mountain. And he asked him, whose footprints are those? And they said, it's just the saints that have gone on before you. You see where you can follow. So as you're walking in this walk, you've got people behind you that are walking and watching your every step. As a dad, I've got six kids watching my every step. As a pastor of this church, I've got these people watching my every step. If I fall down, you'll fall down. If you're following in step, especially if you're following closely like you're supposed to. It's too much. Is, is, is this too much? If you're walking in step like you're supposed to, if you're loving me and praying for me and you trust me and you're walking like that, like God has, and if I was to trip and fall down, you trip and fall down. But if you're way back there, kind of lollygagging around, well, I'll get there when I get there, and it, 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 you wouldn't bother you whatsoever. But you're supposed to be up close in Martian condition. And again, if God's keeping me, if he's the one that's holding me up, and if you're praying for me, we won't fall. We won't fall. It's the truth. I believe that this morning. If I make a mistake, you that were spiritual will come alongside and restore me and help me to come back and, and forgive me. And we'll pray together and God will, will fix whatever went wrong. Come on now. We're a body of believers now. This is what the scripture says. We stay in this scripture. And this is what this scripture says. We do not backbite. We do not criticize. We don't talk about one another. We will come along and bear one another up and bear their burdens. You want to make a situation worse? Anybody here want to make a situation worse? You start talking about it. And what I've had to watch in my own heart was, even if I'm trying to talk about things that happen with meaning, with not meaning any malice or intent or any of those things in my heart, not meaning that, it, me thinking myself good meaning, even me giving lip service to it, I empower that demon that's got a hold. I don't watch that. I'm done with that. I'm going to guard the gates of my lips. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to get stronger than that, to guard my lips, to only let his words come out. You know, I think it's in John that he said that, it's in James, that how can, how can um, good and evil come out of the same set of lips, same mouth? How can good and evil both come out? Praise and cursing, I think is what he said. How can praise and cursing? We should never let cursing come out. It should only be praise. The simplicity of the prophet would say, you got nothing nice to say about someone, don't say it at all. Oh, that's way too simple for a deep prophet like that. See the wisdom of something like that? So, back to the power that's in us word. As you're following in the footsteps and what God has for you, and God's building up, and he's ordered your steps. He's ordered every single step. Footsteps denote possession. If you're in marching condition, you're in a certain path. You're in a certain trajectory. You're coming from somewhere. And all this ties back to what uh, unbelief is, what doubt is, what sin is. Sin means to miss the mark. 
means to miss the mark. Ephesus, it was said about Ephesus, I think it was the Ephesian church day, that they aimed at and relaxed. Is that right? Am I got that right? That they aimed at it and relaxed. Okay, I see the mark. We're starting out our foundation. We're in the word and we're pressing toward that mark that the people behind, they aimed at it, but they relaxed. They wouldn't pick up that torch and keep walking with the light of God for their day. Their day. They're not required of the same amount of word that you and I are required of. They're not required of the same amount of word that you and I are required of. They're not required uh, in, in Martin's day, in Irenaeus' and Columbus' day, are not required for the same amount of word that you and I are required of. See, when the lion of the tribe of Judah stepped up off that mercy seat, ignorance is accepted no longer. No longer. If you're in the Methodist age, if you're in the Baptist age, if you're in the Pentecostal age, ignorance is accepted no longer. No longer. Now, you know me, I believe that was a move of God in each church age. But it kept coming up, kept coming up higher, kept coming up higher. If you're sitting in a Pentecostal shuck this morning, you need to die out to it. If you're sitting in a Methodist shuck this morning, you need to die out to it. Lutheran, Baptist, Catholic, anyone, you need to die out to it and come into the new life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not saying that wasn't a move of God for that day. Not at all. I, I have nothing but respect for what God did that day. The prophet would tell you that John Smith, the one that founded the Baptist movement, said he would pray all night long, so much so that he would almost go blind from pinching his eyes shut. His wife would have to walk him around like a blind man. The light of his day. The light of his day. The light of his day. You're not living in John Smith's light. You're not living in that light. You're not even living in John Wesley's light of his day. Come on, you've come up higher. You've come up higher. You're not living in the light of Pentecost Day. You've been brought up higher. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm not, I'm not accountable to what they have. I'm not accountable to what Wesley prayed. I'm not accountable. I've been brought up much, much higher. I'm not even living in the Laodicean church age. The Laodicean church age, yes, is still going on out there, but the bride has been brought up into the capstone, which is the eighth day, which is Revelation chapter 4. He said, Behold, I saw a door in heaven open, and guess what was said? Someone said, John, come up higher. I heard my voice. I heard my name. said, Come up higher. Maybe that didn't mean much to you. Maybe you can sit there in your seat and say, it was, no, it's no big deal. To me, it means everything. It means everything. See, if you look at the attributes of the bride, John was a type of the bride. John said, when I saw my name, woo, when I saw my name, everybody on the earth, under the earth, around the earth, near the earth, next door to the earth, heard me screaming. Oh, you got in the flesh. You, got, you know what? It's my flesh that needs to be saved. It was my flesh that needed to be saved. Forgive me for being in the flesh. My flesh has suffered hate and has suffered discouragement and depression and pain for so long. And you're okay with me walking around saying my back hurts. You're okay with saying, oh my goodness, I got a headache, my stomach. You're okay with all those things. That religious spirit's okay with that. But if you ever want to scream out and say, God healed me. Oh, you better settle down. You better settle down. When God moves and you see redemption starting to come in plain view and you see this body changing a little bit and a little bit more and you expect me to be quiet about it? No, you must not have been chained long enough. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. No more spirit of fear on me. No more spirit of fear. I'm done with it. You want to see the proof of the resurrection? Look at me. You want to see the proof of the resurrection? Look at my life. And it starts from here down. You need the proof of the resurrection. You need the proof of the resurrection in your life. You've got to have that fruit. 
Paul says, examine yourself to see whether or not you even be in the faith. Like I said, many people say, oh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? I was reading the quote this morning. Brother Ram talking about it. He said, it's just simple. You say that you're married and you have a wife and your wife's not with you. You say, I'm married. Okay, where is she? Well, I mean, she's not, I'm not, we've not got married yet. We've not met each other yet, but I believe she's out there. Wait a minute now. You said you're married and you have a wife. Where's the fruit at? Where's the fruit at? I believe all these things, you know, if we would jump back in other, in other church ages and all those different things and work your way up to now and say, well, I believe all these things. Where's the fruit of it? Where's the fruit of it? John would tell them that any, any tree that won't bear fruit, that they'll lay the axe to the root of the tree, tear it, cut it down, throw it in the fire and burn it up. Burn it up. Absolutely burn it up. <coughs> Examine. <coughs> Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Let's jump over to Romans chapter 8. Let's just call it the spirit of fear with Matt. Romans chapter 8. Verse 15. As I was praying, I don't know if I got through that. Wednesday night, the Lord put on my heart that somebody in our assembly was struggling with the spirit of fear. Something I was asking that was bothering them. It's okay. If you know what it is, it loses its hold. Romans 8 verse 15. For you've not received, you've not received the spirit of bondage again. Pause right there. You've not received the the spirit of bondage again. See, we, we, okay, I got to back way up. I got to back way up. Let's start right here. Our God fills all time and space. Our God exists yesterday. He exists today. He exists tomorrow all at the same time. Time does not, no constraints on him. Time was only meant for we have a mode of reality that we call it that we would know him in. He does not exist in 2 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. He doesn't exist like that. He exists in eternity because he is eternity. The reason there's something called eternity is because he exists. Bare bones, basic facts, raising life. So jump back 2,000 years ago when God created a human body, steps into that body, perfectly sin-born, no, no mark of this world, no, no Adamic birth, none of those things, step into that body and pay the price for you that you might be redeemed and now have a way back to God. Basics of Christianity. And then as they nailed his hands to the cross, the, the, the prophet would tell you that God nailed his hands to the cross to show you a complete and total victory. A complete, he nailed his hands to the cross to show you a complete and total victory. Been 2,000 years since then. Has that victory give up? Has it worn out? Is it have no more use? Has it no, has it gotten weaker? Is it not mean as much today as it meant then? Only if it was in a natural man. If he was just a woman, a man born of a woman, it would have meant nothing. Oh, that's great. Might have moved a few people for, let's say, 50 years, something like that, but not for 2,000 years. You have a God that exists out of time. He said, I'm bringing them victory. I'm bringing them deliverance. I'm bringing them freedom. I'm bringing them liberty. And I'm going to prove it like this. God became flesh, let men with dirty hands nail him to the cross so that you and I could be free. And the very last words recorded was, it is finished. That is thus saith the Lord. That is nothing but the truth. What is finished? Everything he came to do. Everything he came to do, it was finished. It was set in motion. 2,000 years later, has it worn out? No, 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 not worn out. 
But you've got an understanding about what actually happened. 2,000 years ago, they're standing there and looking at him. And I said, I don't understand. I see a man give his life. They didn't understand that he was that anointed Messiah to give. Some of them did, but not really understand. And then as that revelation continues to unfold, because the word of God is a light to your feet and a lamp to your path. So we see what he's done. And then we kept walking with God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost comes in, which leads and guides to all truth and gives you all understanding and revelation in the knowledge of him. And now you're on this road and you learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. You look back and you see what he did. You look back, you keep walking that road. I see the price. I see that. And he's still the price. He's not changed. He's still the same person he's always been. Still free. Still free. He made you free. The scripture says that he the son hath made free is free indeed. And again, uh, English words get worn out and mean like they're nothing. Free indeed. Free from what? All sin. All sin. Sin is unbelief. Sin is unbelief. Okay, so again, where you're at in your day, the light has come. The day star has risen with healing in his wing. The light has come. And we've now had our Eliezer, the seventh angel messenger, stand on earth and tell you what each thing meant. And that now you can look backward and say, okay, I understand that. We touched on that Wednesday night. How you're able to walk back through looking at history and see what God's already done. By their fruits you'll know them. Was it God? Was it not? That led into apostasy. That led into heresy. That led into idolatry. But in its end is death. But in this thing, end is only life. Keep walking with the word. Keep walking the word. Pulling you all the way up to right here where you are now. Complete and total freedom. That someone would stand in the gap and say, you've not just been made free, but you're to be kept free. You're to be kept free. You're not to be sold back again to the pawn shop. Not to be put back again in the pawn shop. But here, 2,000 years later, saying that you're still free. Okay, again, the prophet of our day makes statements like this. That Satan is a con man. He's a squatter. He's the father of lies. Squatting, con man, father of lies. So if he's got you in a prison, walk out. You know, the door's been open. The chains are literally, you're you're what's holding the chains on your feet. They keep falling. You notice they keep falling off and you have to keep grabbing them and putting them back on? Did you notice that? That they keep falling. You're like, man, that pesky chain won't stay latched for nothing. And you have to keep, because he said you're free, it's finished. He said you're free, it's finished. Now, as Paul is saying this right here, you've not received the spirit of a bondage again. No, Christ comes to give you life. He comes to give you life. Now, for our day, it's not just as simplistically as I can make it to be redeemed. It's to know and know what you were redeemed for. It's now to live a redeemed and restored life. It's now to not just be justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but to be adopted by the Spirit of Christ. And that he would come in and say, I'm pleased to dwell in that servant. I'm pleased to dwell in that daughter. That in my name on the checkbook's just as good as theirs. The prophet would say that she knows his word. She has his word. She knows what he wants done with it. Am I still going too simple? If I'm too simple, then you say, praise the Lord. My intention is to be as simply as possibly can be, where that no one would misunderstand me. Because God hides himself in simplicity. If you're making it too big, that's you. That's not God. That's you trying to have an intellect in it. That's you trying to put your head in the thing. God makes himself so simple that you can meet him in a blade of grass, the prophet would tell you. So simple. 
He said, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself (coughs) bears witness with our spirit. Okay, so uh, in the original Greek, in the original Aramaic, we've touched on this Wednesday night about Acts chapter 19, that Paul come across those that were baptized under John's baptism. Everybody remember Wednesday night? By John's baptism. <clears throat> and John asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's what King James says. <clears throat> I just found out recently that there are certain Baptist scholars that believe that that's translated wrong. They believe that it's translated. Let me get this right. That it says, have you received the Holy Ghost when you believed? And they want to say it's in the Greek. But the Greek and the Aramaic says it translates since you believed. Yeah, it might not make much difference to most people. might not make much difference. But again, I'm going to jump back to real simple. If I'm going to start building this building right here, I've got to do it off a set of blueprints. It must be specifically off a set of blueprints. And blueprints also give coordinates. They give coordinates. So maybe, let's say I'm going to build this building right next to your house. And you bought your property. And you've, you've done all these things to it. You spent so much money in your flowers and your grass and your landscaping. And you know where your property line is. You know perfectly where your property line is. And I bring my track holes and my dozers in. And I just shove myself right up next to your house and start digging for my new building. You'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That's past the property line. This is the property line. This shows you where you're coming from. This shows you what you can stand on, where you can stake everything on. So when you start twisting little things to meet your creed, to meet your dogma, to meet your idea. I'm not trying to to, to belittle those men. I'm trying to show you where you're standing right now. It's not when you believe, it's since you believe. So you understand now that God examines your heart. He examines your faith. He comes along. Yes, he's been justified. Yes, he's been sanctified. Yes, he's received the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost Amen. with the mighty burning fire. With the mighty burning fire. Again, fruits will tell you. Now he must be adopted. And now, so when that Holy Ghost comes in, you understand that it was given to him, the free gift, the kingdom of heaven, Christ himself living in you, the hope of glory. Your life has changed and continues to be changed from that point forward. Continues to be changed from that point forward into something. What? An adopted son or daughter of God. With all fruit present and accounted for. With all fruit present and accounted for. So when you see where you're standing in the scripture and now you see where you're standing at, there's no more fear. There's no more fear. The, The Bible would say that perfect love casts out fear. Okay, let's say that's true. Now we're sitting here saying as well that I've been told all my life that, that, if, that as soon as I believed, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Has there been fruits following? Well, no, but that's what I was always told. And I've always wondered, and I've always twisted, and I've always gone, <clears throat> I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost like they have in here. Because this is my template. My template. Do you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost like they have it in here? Do, do they have it? Come on now. Otherwise, you don't have it. Or you're the very least, I'll give you this grace, not producing fruit of it. Because every good seed will produce fruit. Every good seed will produce fruit. 
So if you see that, that you back up and you sort of examine yourself, right? like, okay, where, what went wrong? What went wrong? You always think about Joshua there with Achan. Joshua stopped everything. Everything, everything, because God had given him a commandment. You go back to Joshua 1. He said, I'm speaking to you now. I've given this to you now. I'm saying you're my man. You're the one leading. This is what I've given you. And no one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And it's interesting, if you start looking at where God starts it from, the land of the Hivites and the Gadites, not the Gadites, but the Hivites and the Malachites and the Amorites, and this way, all the way to the going down of the sun. See, what I find interesting about that is what day we're living in. The going down the sun means an awful lot to us. The prophet will tell you that it rose in the east and set in the west. And where you're at now, so that same commission of Joshua will fit in your life too. So again, now put yourself in it. Everywhere the soles of my foot step. Everywhere the soles of my foot. So again, back up to Joshua there with Achan. They, they walked out there uh, in the will of God, understand what God had taught them, walk into the light of the day, and 16 men died. Joshua said, stop right there. Everything stop right there. Hold up. What happened? Examine ourselves. Examine, we're not producing fruit right. Something's wrong. No man is supposed to die. Not even one person was supposed to lose one person. What happened? Examine. Walk back over. Look back to the word. What is it? What is it? What is it? And God said, right there. And you would think, that's it. That's all. That's all it was. That's no big deal. That's no big deal. It is to God. Remember, you got no thought coming. Get your thoughts out of it. It can only be what he says. It can only be what he says. Nothing else matters. So get your thoughts out of it. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? And as long as you're standing in the word, there's no more fear. That's perfect love cast out fear. It defeats the spirit of fear. Well, Joshua, you really can't take that city of Jericho. You really can't do that. Have you seen how tall the walls are? Have you seen the archers up there and all their armaments and everything they're said before? And you think you're going to do it? He said I would. So get a few trillion more people up on that wall. Get a nuclear bomb. Get atomic bombs everywhere you want. It ain't enough. Get every demon out of hell and stack them up on all the walls and let them point something at me. Get them all you want. It ain't enough. He said, I'll take it. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the promise. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how I live. See, it's not just a simple fly-by overnight statement. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's how you'll live. Well, I mean, we didn't have to take that word or that word, and that's no big deal thing, no big deal there. You bring death and fear in. Death and fear did not exist until one three-letter word was inserted to a commandment of God. Didn't even exist. Brought fear in. But as long as you're standing in the word, as long as you're standing in what God has given you and the light of your day, there should be no fear. He said, you've received it not again to fear. You've not received it again. He said, but now, verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. The Holy Ghost has looked you over and says, they bear witness with me. I've looked his life over. We've got things we struggle with. We've got flesh we're fighting every day, yes. But that heart, that soul is Pushing toward it, believing toward it, walking toward it. Lord, help me move. Help me keep going that way, Lord Jesus. I believe your word. Yes, I make mistakes every day, but God keeps getting me back up, and I keep putting my foot on it. And the Spirit looks your life over, which you can hide nothing from. He's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He'll look your life over, and even if you made a mistake, you said, God, forgive me. And guess what? He did. He did. And then he looks your life over and said, my spirit bears witness with their spirit. And then you should fall to your knees screaming, praise God, praise God, praise God. 
I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress him. I'm trying to please him. I want him to be so happy with me that you no longer see me. That's my goal in life. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of the God. And if children, you reading that? Flip over the next verse. Here you go, Charity. And if children. See, I love the way Bible words things. There's that through an if in there. Okay, you say you're a child of God, we're going to see the fruit of it in your life. You say you're a child of God, I'm going to see the fruit of it in your life. They put that if in there, oh, that's so coincidental. Why they do that? I don't mean nothing. No, the word says if. Well, I tell you I am. My daddy was, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, my great-great-great-great-great-great chased me all the way back to Adam. No, he's got to look your life over and say you're all a son. He's got to do that. And the Spirit beareth witness. He said, if you're children, have we got that covered so far? Yes, I'm a redeemed son and daughter of God with fruits following, with signs and wonder following. Okay, so we've got our check mark right now. Now we're standing in the scripture. Now we're taking the scripture, which is the magnifying glass, and we're looking at your life just like that right there. Okay, the scripture says yes. The scripture says, check, that's a go. Now, let's keep moving. So the scripture has worked through your life and said, yes, 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 I agree. Now, next part, you're an heir. You're an heir. See, you don't become an heir just because you're born a son and daughter of God. Well, I'm an heir. No, you know, that ain't the way that works. It must be an adoption take place. It must be an adoption take place. So many sons. How many you can think of in all your people you know, books you've read, all these different things, and you come back and you're like, well, this guy was not a good son. This was not a good daughter. Even though you knew you could trace them genealogically back to the seed of that person. Then he start telling you about Eli's sons. Then he keep going like that. And all the different sons, even though their parents were godly, the children walked away. But I'm his son. I don't care. You're not doing like he did. You're not doing like he did. It's until your life bears the fruit of God, then you are adopted. You always were a son, but then you're adopted. And he looks over your life and he says, my son, in whom I'm well pleased to dwell in. Hopefully still good and simple. Then heirs. You see the language. You see our language. And if children, comma, then heirs, stop. Remember, you're hanging over hell by chain. And the weakest link, you'll fall in. But if the word is that chain holding you, and you believe that word, you won't fall. Jesus would say that it would be so close in the last days that even the very elect might would be deceived, but they won't be deceived. That it would deceive the very elect. He said, if it were possible, is actually what he said. If it were possible. See, she's been taught, his word, his people, how to hold on to every word. And to love it. And to love it. Okay, so now here we are in our study. We're children of God. Praise the Lord. We've been adopted. We're heirs. Okay, then we're heirs to um, the property next door. And it's got barns on it. And the neighbor's house. My, my dad owns that. He's got a fleet of cars. And all his, no, no, no. We're not talking about anything earthly. We're talking about heirs of God. Okay, what's the word God mean? The word God means object of worship. That's not a more accurate representation of what he is. Because he, yes, he is of object of worship. He should be the sole object of your worship. The sole object of all of your worship. Otherwise, it's an idol. 
sole object must give all glory and honor and adulation and, and praise and honor to him. But Elohim means self-existing one. Means he's the creator. The reason why you can call him self-existing is because there was nothing before him. Nothing existed before him ever, 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 ever. There was nothing before him. So you say, not just heirs of God, because so many people twist that word to I've made my water bottle, I've made my shoes. Most people make their phones a God, and they worship it, and they bow down to it, and it's always there. See, the Word of God is supposed to be always before your face. Scripture teaches that. Word of God is supposed to be always before your face. You know how devil replaced that? It's an idol. It's an idol. Let's worship this thing. I'm going to give it all my time. How many hours of a day you give that phone? How many hours a day you spend in worship, glory, and honor, and praise to that phone? Which is poison to your heart. Poison. But if God given all glory and honor to him, the self-existing one. And again, there's so many scriptures that I, I wish I could have the time to, to click this, to click this, connect, connect, connect. By him, all things consist. All things were created for him, for his good pleasure, for his will, to show you the glory and grace and mercy of our God. All these things ties right into this Elohim, the self-existing one. And his purpose, when you find all those things, was he had no desire to stay alone. He had no desire to be singular existing. He always had a desire to have a bride, to have a wife, to have a helpmate, to have a companion, to someone that he could have fellowship and communion with. Always was his purpose. And so you find in these attributes that he steps you forward a little bit more, a little bit more. And now, yes, you're children of God. Yes, you're an heir of God. Yes, okay. But of whom? Of Elohim. This just unzipped this thing to so much more of a parameter. It just blew it back from just talking about adoption. Because we're not talking about being adopted by my dad or your dad or any of those things. We're talking about being adopted by him. The one that made everything there is. Everything there is. And again, I, one of my most favorite quotes the prophet would tell you in the message, it's the rising of the sun, that in your day, the full maturity of the word is turned back again. The full maturity of the word. See, to me, that's Genesis 1. That's world creating. World creating right there now. It's world creating. If you can believe that, how can you can't believe for a headache? I can you can't believe for a leg ache, no you ain't, back ache, shoulder ache. Why can't you? If the full maturity of the words turn back again, it'll produce that. It'll produce that. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs. Now you just got linked. See, because as God, you couldn't know him. As the Spirit of God, you have no way to know him. You try to fathom someone that's here, and yet he's there, and he's also there. You get a headache so fast. But what God did was he pulled himself down to a logos. He now made it where they are pitiful little minds can say, okay, I don't really know what a logos is, but I can believe that. And then the revelations come. He's the anointed. He's the visible of the invisible. He's the, 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 the image that was created of the invisibly. No image God. He is now something you can focus on and put everything into. And so now this one we're talking about, this one heals the sick. This one raised the dead. This one walks on water. Guess what? Most importantly, this one comes back from the dead. Amen. Now you should have done come back from the dead. Because you were dead in sin and trespasses. You were dead in sin and trespasses. Or are you still right now? 
Are you still right now dead in sin and trespasses? Come on now. Are you still right now? Or has the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ grabbed your life and changed you from what you were? If not, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on right now? You come up here. It can be fixed right now. Don't live another second, another minute of your life. Well, God, get that fixed right now. Watch this problem. That's a spirit out of hell to hold you in your seat. That's a demon that's got a grip on your life and hold you in that junk. As he is here to make you free. You might have a problem getting into worship service this morning. And you might struggle getting into worship service this morning. We've told you what happened here Saturday night. That little black ball kept coming down and hitting Bethany in her head as she was sitting there playing. Trying to stop her from getting in an atmosphere of worship. A brother saw it on her. It kept going up, hit her and go off. Hit her and go off. Asked her later, is there something wrong? She said, I was just struggling to get in the atmosphere of worship. Do you see it? Do you see it? So what keeps you out of an atmosphere of worship? What keeps you just, it ain't the song leader. It's not the song leader. We're not singing songs about Nathan Hobbs or Aaron Parker or whoever. We're not singing songs about them. I'm singing a song about, I heard an old, old story about a Savior that came from glory who redeemed and changed my life. I don't, man, just, man, you're so boring. How did it get boring? How did it get boring? How did it get old? How did it get wore out? A demon did that. It come on and corrupted that influence of that anointed word. Corrupted that influence. I'll share this with you. If you look over, and I think it's Revelation chapter 13. We were preaching Wednesday night about straight as the gate, the baptism, the water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're preaching on those things, and we cover that straight is the gate. Jesus said straight as a gate narrows the way that leads to eternal life. This all makes sense. Everybody, if you need to, we can, if you don't believe that, we can stop right now and pull that scripture up. Nobody's raising their hands up at me. Okay. Straight is a gate, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Straight being water, it's the process and purpose God has in store. Okay. We understand. So in, I think it's Revelation 13 that when, uh, no, it's Revelation chapter 12, when that old dragon come to make war against the woman, that he spurted water out of his mouth at her. Sounds familiar? That the dragon, which is Satan, spurted water out of his mouth at her. Why would he care about water baptism? Why would he care about water? Why would that dragon, which is Satan, care about? Let this sink in now. Why would he care? Because he's got a way also. He's got a way that steals your power that steals your authority, that leaves you a prisoner, that, matter of fact, reinforces its hold. Because it's incorrect. You're not staying in the scripture. You have no balance. You have no peace. But in the word, it cast out all fear. Amen. It cast out all fear. He said, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That we may be also glorified together. If you suffer with him, that you may be also glorified with him. So I'm sure that your enemy has never told you that, you know, because you're sick, it must be God don't love you. Or because you're going through hard tests, it just proves God don't love you. If you're having this problem, I mean, people turn their back on you, it means God don't love you. See, that's a liar. See, Jesus said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. 
He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have trials. You're going to have hard things. In this world, he said, but I've overcome the world. He said, I've overcome the world. And he also said, because I live, you live also. And he said, not longer me that lives, but he that lives within me. And I'll say it like this. He is greater in me than he that's in the world. Oh, come on now. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Who could be against us? Turn to Revelation chapter 6 with me. No, we'll do Revelation chapter 9. We don't have enough time to go that far. The spirit of fear. I want to make this very, very clear. But I don't want to get, get worried about time or something like that. And, and, and I want to make this so scary to you that you understand the day that you're living. I'm not trying to bring fear. I'm trying for those that do not have that seal in their heart to be terrified. I want you to be terrified. I want you to not be able to sleep another night if you don't have that seal of the Holy Ghost in your heart. Because we're standing in this day for a particular reason. I'll get to Luke chapter 17 in a minute, and I'll show you what's going on out there. I'll get to Romans chapter 1, hopefully it'll make it there. But I'm going to show you what happens if you're still here in the tribulation. Anybody want to still be here in the tribulation? No big deal. Okay, see, I, I believe that God's merciful. And I've said that many times, that the Scripture tells that if he had not had mercy, that there would have been no flesh saved. If the days were not shortened, there would have been no flesh saved. So Daniel prophesies what looks like a seven-year tribulation. And most of the church world believes in a seven-year tribulation. And I'm not saying that's not what Daniel said. But what I'm telling you is that in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, from 30 to 33 and a half, he bore half that tribulation. That's why there's only 42 months left. Only three and a half years. And it, it, I, it, there's three parts in Revelation or four parts. It tells you the exact month, the exact amount of days. Three and a half years, 42 months. Scripture does not contradict whatsoever. Scripture does not contradict whatsoever. I better get more amens than that. It does not contradict more whatsoever. But he said that if the days were not shortened, no flesh could be saved. No flesh could be saved. Only the bride will take a rapture. Only the bride of Jesus Christ will take a rapture. We're not talking about no church. We're not talking about no creed, dogma, organization, anything, man. We're talking about the bride of Christ. She's a love slave to him. She is a sold-out, Holy Ghost-filled, born-again believer that only says what he says. That's simple. You will not take a rapture without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You will not take a rapture without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible impossible without the new birth i can prove this to you by the message you will not take a rapture without the baptism of the holy ghost that Christ said is that that had that man with the ink horn that walked through the city and would take that mark and put on the heads of those that did not bail did not bow to that thing of the world but they'd stay themselves pure from the lord it's a mark the bible says it's a seal upon your forehead it's that holy ghost it's that down payment it's that earnest of your inheritance it is him living in you Chapter 9, verse 1. Seals have been opened. The, white, the riders have went forth. The white horse, black horse, red horse, pale horse. All those things. Death fall. All those things. Now the seven seals have been opened. All these earthquakes and thunderings and lightnings. And all this been done. Get over to verse 9. Chapter 9, verse 1. And, I, the, and the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. You reading it? You seeing it? This was given the key to the bottomless pit. It exists. It exists. And he opened, this angel with the key, opened the bottomless pit. 
And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. Come on now, you know where this is going. As the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power. Who give it to them? If you've been following the previous chapters, you'd see who'll give it to them. They were each one given specific instructions. Hurt not the oil and the wine. Hurt not the oil and the wine. Don't touch them with the mark in their forehead. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Been given power by him. As the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. New birth. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everybody with me? Everybody awake? Everybody awake? Everybody following? I not lost nobody, right? Everybody with me this morning? And it was commanded them they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. I'm going to describe these locusts to you. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. When a torment hits you, you don't die right away. When a, a scorpion hits you, you don't die right away. That poison takes a while to kill you. It's painful. It's horrible. Anybody want that? Raise your hands now. I mean, if anybody wants that. And in those days shall men seek death. And shall not find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Desire to die. You know, the devil, through a spirit of fear and discouragement and depression, will put a spirit of suicide on you, tell you to end your life, to just get over with it. It's over with. It's not worth breathing another second. That's a spirit. That's a demon. That is not the spirit of God trying to take your life. I'll prove it by the Bible. It is not the Spirit of God. If Satan is telling you to end your life, that's a demon out of that pit. The demon out of that pit telling you to take your life. In that day, in that day, they will be praying for death and death won't be found. In that day. I just read it to you. Did you hear me? I just read it to you. In that day, they'll be praying for death and it won't be found. Won't be found. And the shapes of the locusts, were like unto horses prepared unto battle. Now, your mind, of course, goes a little bit tiny locust. And that's no big deal, chopping around, you put it in your pocket. I don't care what it's dressed for. That's going to be cute. We finally can run across the altar here. We'll put a whole battalion around the altar of them. And dress like horses. No, they're the size of horses. They're the size of horses. This is the Bible. This, whether you believe it or not, this is the Bible. On their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. They had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth was as the teeth of lions. Hair as the hair of women. Teeth like lions. You get a picture yet? See, a horse has a long mane of hair. Long, long mane. And, and can you imagine, you know, uh, is it, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 tells a woman's hair should be long. It's the glory of her. And imagine it sitting there, this big old monstrous thing that's dressed in full armor battle. He's got a lion's mouth and he's got hair like a woman. Amen. 
They had hair as the hair of women. Their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of many horses running to battle. Just the wings. Can you imagine the fear that would grip your heart just to hear it fly by? Is this real enough yet to everybody? Does it seem real? Are you scared? You scared? You don't want to be here for this. You do not want to be here for this. You know who else don't want you to be here for this? Take a stab in the dark. The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus does not want you to be here for this. This is a fact. I don't care what no unclean spirit done told you. He don't want you here for this. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was the sound of chariots, and many horses ran into battle. They had tails like unto scorpions. They were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. They had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. They had a king over them. They had a king over them. Jump over to Luke chapter 17. Don't, let's go, let's go straight to Matthew 25 first. We'll come back and catch that in just a minute. Goodness, don't beat me there. Matthew chapter 25. No, please forgive me. Go to 24. Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Verse 3. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Are we there? And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? The sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. That's a strange statement. Does that mean someone will come along trying to deceive you? Okay, just out in the world, if I'm having a, a uh, if I'm working for some guy on a job and, and he's just always trying to lie to me and tell me this board was here and that measurement was that and always trying to deceive me and those things, is that what he meant? That don't mean nothing. Uh, maybe your neighbor is trying to deceive you. Well, I, I slide my property line over a little bit. That ain't what he means. He's talking about right here. He said false Christ will arise. False prophets will arise. Take heed lest no man deceive you. You still with me? Let no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. How far did we get from this statement? How many years did we get from this statement? I'm not sure of the exact days until the Pope emerged in the stead of Christ. How far did you get? I have the word. I tell you what it says. I twist, I move, I manipulate, I change, whatever I want. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive one or two people. Did you say many? No, he's just, Jesus is just embellishing. He's just trying to make a point. Oh, he deceived all the drunks, all the whoremongers, all the adulterers, all the fornicators. Not really meaning many. Many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled. Why not? See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Okay. Titus sacked Jerusalem, 73 AD. So that was the year 70, 73 AD. Titus walked in there and killed just about everything. Burned it to the ground. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. So this must be the end. 73 AD. I don't know why we're still here. We must be a, what, 2,000 year tribulation. Maybe, so maybe Daniel got his days mixed up. Because that was Titus sacked the most holiest city. Destroyed them. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Keep moving up, moving through the history. So maybe this one was it. Maybe this one was it. Maybe, maybe we're just still, I, I don't know what you'd call it right now. Is there two millenniums going on? Is this, is this millennium condition? Is it meant, he meant two millennium, not one millennium? I don't, no, no, no. Keep watching what he says and looking at what God is laying out. Because if you're looking with just your eyes, well, that must be it. That must be it. No, you back it up with what the word says. This must first happen. This must first happen. They're saying, you understand, they come to Jesus privately and says, will you show us? what these things mean and what the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age will be. Will you walk us through that? And he says, yes. Let me give you a real, real brief rundown of the next 2,000 years. Whew. Help me keep up, Lord. Back up, back up, back up. You say, well, say it again, say it again. Can you imagine trying to get that all in your mind? I would have to have a recorder because I couldn't write it down that fast. He said that, where were we at? And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these things are the end of it all. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. So how can we possibly know? How can we possibly know? I tell you all the time that it's something the Lord has helped me with him to witness to somebody. Most of the time, they will, they will, they'll bring it up and say, this is obviously the end of days. This is obviously the end of time. It's obvious, obvious. I mean, I agree. I completely agree. But they'll bring it up. See, when you start naming what your day is, and if that's true, then what did God say about my day? What did he say about my, what can I look for? Jesus said, I should be able to see this. I should be able to see this. I should be able to see this. Everybody still with me? He said that um, all these things are the beginning, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You didn't make it 200 years and it started happening. You didn't make it. Under that ox age, that ox anointing, they put to death 68 million Christians. Of your brothers and sisters. And they didn't just walk up it was the most horriblest thing you could ever imagine. Most, can you imagine them, if they had a good understanding of the word, saying, okay, this must be the end of days. No, they can look in the word. He said this is going to happen, and it's going to keep happening. You'll be persecuted for my sake. You'll be shot on the spot for my sake. You'll be fed to lions. They'll take women and cut their breasts off and feed them to hogs. They'll take pregnant women, cut their stomachs, pull the babies out, feed them to hogs, make them watch. The most horriblest things you can't fathom was done. If you're looking without a balance in the scriptures, you would say, it must be it. It must be it. He said, no, it gets worse. It gets much, much worse. Much, much worse. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my men's sake. Then shall many be offended. Many be offended. Jesus said, if your eye offends thee, pluck it out. Jesus, these are the words you all know, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. The eye of your own body, of your own body. So as the body of Christ, let's say Levi offends me. 
We're going to grab him. We're going to throw him in the lake of fire. We don't need him no more. We plucked him out. Let's stay close now. Let's stay close. Let's stay relevant. Let's stay in our moment where we're at right now. Many shall be offended. With what? With the word. He got offended at the word. Jesus said, blessed are you if you're not offended in me. Oh, that's the strangest statement you're saying about John. John's in a prison. John is in the worst of places. He can hear the dripping water. He can smell the rotting junk. He's in there. And you're going to come up with a statement like, blessed is he that's not offended in me. The prophet said he never gave John a book on how to behave yourself in prison. Here, take this. Behave yourself in prison. Never give him that. He said, blessed is he who's not offended in me. He said, in this day and in these days, they shall be offended because of the word. So let's stop right there, and let's just say we're in that between the, uh, between, uh, the death of Christ to 323 A.D. Let's just say we're right there in that time frame. They're coming together. Not, uh, uh, Constantine is, is wanting a, a one-world religion. He's wanting a one-world government. This is where this all began. And he starts taking all these things, and they go back to your Bible, your Scripture and scrolls, and says, that part offends me, that part offends me, that part offends me. What did Herod have a problem with John about? What was Herod's problem with John? Why was John in prison? Why was John in prison? John had flipped back to the law, and he said, it's not lawful for you to have that woman, your brother's wife. It's not lawful for you to have that. Herod got offended, put him in prison. It also offended Herod's wife. She didn't like being called an adulteress. She didn't like that. So she worked it out with her daughter. First good chance we get, we want his head in the bowl. First good chance we get, we want his head in the bowl. Or charger, however you want to call it. Got offended at him. So as they're walking through this, and their life obviously will not line up to what the Word says because they refused the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It had been given. They refused it. When you refuse it, it shows what seed you are. It shows that you were born of Antichrist seed. Because the seed of Christ will always accept him. Will always receive him. It's never, get away, we don't want that. That's a holy roller, that's a liar, that's a, that's a Beelzebub, that's the house of hell. Looking at the Lord Jesus Christ using those words. Many shall be offended. First 300 years. We go right to water baptism. Where did that come from? No one ever, 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 ever was baptized in your Bible or in the first church in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That never existed until the Catholic Church became an organization. Now, the Bible will tell you, which I don't have to get into. I don't have time to get into. If you need me to, I can show you after church that about all of her harlot daughters. And there was a question and questions and answers asked for the Branham. They said, you've made a statement that most of the Protestant churches are no different than the Catholic church. You've made that statement. Can you please clarify that? He said, that part's easy. How do they baptize? Well, I'm Pentecostal. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian. There's 40,000 nominations. How do you baptize? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just as your mother, the whore. I'm going to slay that thing right now. Just as your mother, the whore. That is not out of the Bible. That did not exist. They got offended with the word. Because Paul, Peter would tell you in Acts 2, this is what happens when you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Luke 10, 19 applies. I covered that Wednesday night. Satan was standing there. Luke 10, 19 occurs. He said, behold, I give unto you power. Satan and his angels, they go right to their warboard. You heard it. You heard it. What do we do to stop this? He just gave them power over us. What do we do to stop this? We start tearing down every other thing he says. 
It's not this way. It's not this way. It's not this way. Okay, next thing you know, you got a defeated being, a defeated church. No power. No power. No power. See, my Bible and your Bible says that signs and wonders will follow them that believe. I don't care if you claim the message. I don't care if you claim to be Baptist, Methodist, Pentecost. I don't care what you claim. Signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Believe. That's way too simple. I know it's way too simple. Then praise the Lord. Because that's got to be simple. Because if you ain't producing it, you're wrong. Because that's what the Word says. If you're not producing it, it's wrong. Because the Word says that. No, you're just trying to work it up. You're emotional. You're Pentecostal. You're all those things. I didn't write these words. He did. And if you're not producing what he said, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. His word says this, so my life should produce this. Or something's wrong. Maybe you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've been justified, sanctified. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You know that now, you've got to surrender to it. Every day of your life, you've got to surrender, Lord. I'm not seeing the fruit your word declares. I believe this has happened. I have faith that that's happened. I have faith that that's happened. I believe with all my heart you have filled me with that same power. And I have that comfort in my soul. But, Lord, I'm still not seeing the fruit of it. The word says, die daily. Die daily. Die daily. Keep eating the book. Keep eating the book. Keep dying out. Keep dying out. Keep dying out. And then you'll produce his fruit. If not, something's wrong. And I'm going to call you flat out. Something's wrong. I don't care who you are. I'm going to call you flat out. Something's wrong. He said, many shall be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive a handful of people. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It says deceive many. Deceive many. Many. Well, the Bible's just kind of just straining at a point, just trying to really enforce something. It don't really, not really, no, it happened. Again, we can look backwards. We can see the progression of each thing. You see the seed of God rise up, and then that can go back down the ground. For that seed's got to go back down the ground, and each age come up. And then those that were in that age that did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they go right back into apostasy, right back in the Catholic Church. Well, we're Baptists now. No, you're Catholic. Well, you're this now. You're Methodist. You're Pentecostal. No, you're still Catholic. You go right back to that first whore. First whore. That's where you go back to. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to tell you what spirits own the thing. And I'm telling you that if you step away from that, there's so much of God for you to have. I'm not trying to offend you, hurt your feelings. Oh, saying there's so much more of God that you have. And if you'd really be honest with yourself, if you would really, 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 really be honest with yourself, you would say, I've read those things in the scripture and I've never seen them in my life. Never seen them in my life. Now I want to know why. Why have I not seen them in life? Because this is the only thing that's true. Every man's word be a lie. Let every man's word be a lie and his word be true. So if it's not being produced in my life, what's wrong? Examine yourself. It's so easy to get under someone. Well, this is a great big charismatic personality fellow and he's so great. And let's, just, let's just hook our horse with him and, and go with him. That makes you a borrower of a revelation. And he that is borrower is a subject to the lender. So if his revelation changes, your revelation has to change. If he does sound, oh, no, that's not what it was. It actually meant that. And you're like, okay, now we're going that way. No, there's a way that leads to eternal life. Walk through that door. Walk through that door. He said, many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because of iniquity. Ooh, we just got you. They got, why did they get offended? 
They were full of iniquity. They're reading the Bible. The Bible says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. That offends my iniquity. Why can't I look at that woman? Why can't I touch that woman? Why can't I drink that? Why can't I smoke that? Why can't I think that? Why can't I be critical of him because he made a mistake? Why can't I look down on him? Why can't I not kick you out because you don't agree with me? Why can't I not do it? That's iniquity in your heart. Lucifer, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, how great thou was fallen. Iniquity was found in his heart. Take it all the way back to the original one. Iniquity was found in his heart. You see what spirit's there? Iniquity. Because iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. See, again, you have the word make a one-line sentence that covers 2,000 years. But he that endures to the end. Oh, yeah, till when Titus is done, when Paul's age is over, when Columba and uh, and Thyatira and Pergamum. No, no, keep going, keep going, keep going to the actual end. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel. See, Mark 16 says that go you in all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Our prophet told us that means manifest the gospel. Manifest. Paul said, I did not come with you, to you with great excellency of speech, with great enticing words, with all these of man's wisdom, but in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because he confirms his word. Again, very, very simple. God confirms his word. If you want to know if it's true or not, does God confirm it? No, obviously. Then it's not God's word. God confirms his word. See, the devil will tell you, no, God was just busy. He had something else going on, and he didn't have time to come out and catch that for you. But it's still true. No, God confirms his word. At all times, God vindicates and confirms his word. And our prophet told us the way he does that is by bringing it to pass. How do we know it's true? Because it happened. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Jump down to verse 27. For as a lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even on the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. Immediately, verse 29 Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is the third coming. All I see him, every eye see him. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Now learn a parable. This is verse 32. This part's very important what I'm trying to get to. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. A parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. And Jesus had made that statement. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He said, you can look at the skies, see how the weather's going to happen. You can look at the weather, the days, the trees, all these things, and you can predict that, but you completely miss the moving of God. So Jesus says, look at the fig tree. Let's look at that parable. You'll know that summer is nigh. 
So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it, or he, is near. He's still talking about the coming of the Lord. Even at the doors, that he is near, it or he is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. I believe that's the word of the Lord. I believe this is Jesus speaking. My Bible doesn't have all the words of Christ in red. This one just doesn't have that, but I know it's him speaking. I know it's him speaking. It's the truth. Does your Bible read that? Come on, this is a lot of uh, audience participation this morning. Your Bible reads the same thing? That this is him speaking. He said, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, you're sitting there wondering, thinking, can I really trust the Lord Jesus? Does he really know what he's talking about? Can he possibly actually be the Alpha and the Omega? Can he possibly be the same God yesterday, today, and forever? Can he possibly fill all time and space? Does he possibly know the end from the beginning? Really? 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 Okay, then he follows it up with this statement right here. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. If they would have stayed anchored in the word, that's what helped them get through their age. If they could stay through all those ages, stay anchored in the word. This is not the end, but the end is yet to come. I will go on to what he says. I will stay to my day. I will fulfill the seed of my, for my time. Now, was talking yesterday. Michelle brought up, we was doing something yesterday, and Sister Michelle brought up about uh, things about Israel's, Israel becoming a nation. Anybody know the exact day Israel became a nation? Off the top of your head, I can never remember the exact day. 1947, what was the exact day? May the 8th? What, what day did you say? It's in May. I can't remember the exact. I, I want to say May 17th, May 18th, something like that. The same day, the angel of the Lord met a man in Kentucky on the same day. That was when that we, what's that? May 14th. What day? What year? When it was acknowledged. Acknowledged, yes, but it happened 1947. The year before it happened, that's when it happened. It was announced in the newspapers. That's when it happened. It wasn't acknowledged until the UN, but that flag was flying over Jerusalem. That same day, angel of the Lord met Elijah the prophet in the cave in Indiana. I believe that. You call me a cult all you want. That's what I believe. Now, I've done work through all these things of what the tribulation will look like, what the end of days will look like, how bad it will be. Do you understand it's going to be bad? You understand it's going to be bad. It's just, it, it is all hell on the earth, all hell on the earth. You don't want to be for that tribulation. But the Bible says before that happens, before that happens, now, turn over to Malachi chapter 4. November 29th. Malachi chapter 4. Now, Wednesday night, we were quoting what happened in chapter 3. And we'll jump back to that and catch that real quick, just so we can show you what day we're living in. First coming of Christ, Malachi chapter 3. Everybody there? Chapter 3, verse 1, Charity. For behold, the day cometh. No, you need to jump to chapter 3, verse 1. I, I diverted backwards a little bit. I wanted to make a point here. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody's got on the screen. Behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And I quoted this Wednesday night. He shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. That's like a redeemer to me. Clean off the muck of this world, the muck of sin, and everything that had got a hold of us. He's going to clean you up, clean your life up. Couldn't have been done before this happened. Malachi is sitting here prophesying this. Who may abide? And he said he'll sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He'll sit there. You know, that, Bible, that does it. It could have easily been worded like this. Jesus walked up to his, his, um, his wash machine, threw you in it, punched a button, and went away for a long period of time. Remember, Elijah was taunting the children of Baal, taunting them. Um, maybe your God hasn't heard because he's on a journey. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's all these things. You remember it out of Kings, that maybe your God did those things. Maybe your God did those things. And Jesus could have walked up, put you in his wash machine, and just push play, and just walk back and come back whenever the process was over. That's not what this says. He said he'll sit there Amen. and not take his eyes off you. Until it's done. He said, I'm able to finish that that I started. Very able to finish that that I'm started. So you understand this is first coming. Purge them as gold and silver. They may offer in the Lord an offering in righteousness. Before the cross, before Calvary, before that, you could not offer it to him. It would stink. It maybe get you a year pushing it forward, pushing it forward. But he said, now that I've done unto you and I've now made you an heir of all that I've done, this of now you can be righteous. Now, let's flip over to our day. Chapter 4, verse 1. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. I had planned, again, God can change my plans anytime he wants, to carry on and are you a believer tonight, this morning. But fighting that spirit of fear, I'm like, you know what, we're just going to stay on that for a minute. We'll, Lord will bring back whatever God wants. Chapter 4, verse 1. Everybody's got their eyes on the Bible. Everybody's got their eyes on the board if you don't have your Bible on you. Everybody on it? Amen. For behold, the day cometh. Same day in Matthew 24 and verse 4, chapter 25. This day. This is, you understand that this was written before Luke 17, 30. This is written before Matthew 24. This is written before all those things and was written and recorded. And you have a prophet standing back there before the birth of Christ saying, I see through eyes of vision. I see that this will happen. I see this will happen. And that God will speak to you and tell you, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And now you can have faith in him because you trust him. When Titus rolled in, you weren't thinking, oh my goodness, the tribulation is about to happen. It's all over. All those things. No, no, no. Jesus said... That this and plus many more will happen. But there will come an end. Chapter 4 verse 1. For behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud. Isn't it such a coincidence that it calls the proud out right out the gate? That spirit of pride. Cut that head off right out the gate. You think you are. I've been a believer all these years. I know God. My whole family knows God. Call that demon out. Cut that thing's head off. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. That spirit of pride has got to die. You're going to burn. Absolutely burn. It shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. 
and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the same one that in Genesis 1 said, let there be. Same one. Has to be the same voice. It has to be the same voice. Otherwise, you don't serve a just God. You don't serve a just God. He's not going to say, you know what, have it someone else, mail it on down, get this other person. No, he's the same one standing there throughout all the ages crying, come unto me. The same one saying, come unto me. Let those things die out. Come unto me. The same one that told Cain, the very first serpent seed, if you'll just do like Abel did, I'll accept you too. It shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name. See, you have a paradox in that. Only a few times in the Bible that he actually says you should fear. Hebrews 4 is one of them. Let us fear, therefore, lest a promise of entering into his rest we would fall short. We're not supposed to fear. You better fear missing him. You better fear missing him. That it should grab your heart and say, no, no, I won't miss him. I can't miss him no matter what happens. But you've got this going on. That can fall apart. I must get to him. It must become a fervency. It must become a burning desire. I don't care if my house burns down. i got to get to him. Amen. But unto you that fear my name, walk in the truth, know the scripture, living for the Lord Jesus, watching and searching these things out. But unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Okay. So if you've never raised a cow, they're born really, 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 really little. Now, I know some people like veal, but you don't really want to eat that until it gets really, 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 really big. For one, one of them won't feed your family. Even like, this one's mine. I got my lunch. You got your lunch, I got my lunch. But it grow up as calves of the stall. And this is where that poof theory comes. People like, oh, the rapture's going to happen, and poof, you'll just be changed. And No, no, it's a process. Amen. Here a little, there a little. I think about the different revelations that God has given me in my life that started here, and it took, I heard it, and it got stuck in here, and I know it's the truth, but until it finally kind of sunk down into my heart, and I'm just like, my goodness, my goodness. Calves in the stall. You keep eating. You keep eating. You keep eating. Eat the book, John. Eat the book, John. And, and just to be, again, just as simple and plain as can be, I'll, I'll tell you this, that if I was to take all of my feed bags, I, you know, a, lot, a lot of our feed, we don't generally buy it in bulk. We buy it in a 50-pound bag. If I was to take that feed bag and grind it up, make it real small, and put it in for my cows to eat. They'd eat it, but it won't take long. They'll get real sick, and they'll die. But they're eating. They'll get sick and die. They're not eating the right thing. If I take a bunch of nightshade and grind it up and throw it in there, they'll eat it, and they'll die. Its end is death. You take coccidiosis bacteria. We've lost a lot of cows, these things. All these things, and give it to them the wrong thing, they'll die. But it's got to be the right thing to feed on. Otherwise, you won't grow up as a calf in the stall. You'll be as deformed and as cankered as can be, malnourished. You've got to be feasting and feeding on the body word, the revealed son of man of our day. You've got to be. You can't take a rapture without it. 
So we've got just to the day, not about what God's about to do. He said, you shall fear my name, that fear my name, so the sun rises and rise with healing in his wings. You shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, who do this? Not your governor, not the mayor, not the president, not the king of, no, okay, not the king of any other country. He said that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Stop right there. We're in Malachi chapter 4. Those of you that believe this, you know what comes next. He's laid out the landscape. He's laid out the, the bride's walk. He's laid out what gives you strength to take a rapture. He's laid out how to teach you how to overcome. Oh, no, that'll be in the third pool. That'll be in the millennium. No, no, this is before you rapture. Amen. He's laid it out to you. Everywhere the soles of your footstep, I give it unto thee. Arise and possess your inheritance. We covered that earlier that you're an heir of Christ. Arise and possess your inheritance. For it doesn't just do you good to what I'm about to read. That doesn't benefit you all. There's a lot of people that believe that William Branham was a prophet. It benefits them none whatsoever. The people that don't even believe the message will swear to you up and down. No, I promise you that man was a prophet. That man will tell you things that no one knowed. No one knowed over and over and over. Brother Bryce was telling me the other night that he said it's common knowledge around Jeffersonville that they didn't need sonograms. Brother Bram said, God bless you. Congratulations, sister. They're like, for what? About your little boy. About your little girl. These different things. They're like, I'm not pregnant. Oh, please forgive me. And this ain't that man. It's just God in that. God knows everything. He knows everything. And you get people so built up in their head about the thunders and the thunders and the thunders. And it is simply just God speaking. Now, when God makes a statement, it's there. Again, I love the simplicity of our prophet. He would say that one day they'll be able to create a device that can pick up the actual words that Jesus stood there and spoke on the, Mount of, on the, Mount of the Sermon on the Mount. They'll be able to pick it up and you'll be able to hear it. Those are the words of Jesus. Now, simple, very, very simple. That word's going around and around and around the world. Your TV waves, your radio waves, your Ethernet waves, they're coming to this room right now. You can't see them. But so much data is being streamed to this room. As we sit here and you can't see it, you don't know it's there, but God has spoken. So when those thunders utter their voice, that revelation is there. And then your life changes. Say, thank the Lord. Your life changes and now you're getting tuned tuned into reality you're getting tuned into a dimension and you can pick up what he said and he said chapter 4 verse 4 remember you the law of Moses my servant which I commanded to him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments you understand keep walking forward Keep walking forward. Now you see where you're at in this day. Any one of you can look outside and see this is the end of days. Any one of you. I don't, I don't have time to read Luke 17 to go through. I don't have time to read Romans 1. We can talk about that later and cover that. That men have given themselves over to vile affections. That women have done this. That all these different things. It's as obvious anywhere you see. It lines up perfectly what the Bible said would happen. Perfectly what the Bible said would happen. Everybody agrees at least with on that? Do you agree that, that? That men have given themselves over to homosexuality. Women have given themselves over to homosexuality. All these different things. It's clear as ever. It's, it's ramped up more in our day than ever before on the planet. Solomon Gomorrah can't touch what's going on everywhere right now. Can't touch it. That was just in one little bitty old city, two cities, whatever it was. Now it's all over the planet. 
everywhere you look. And they're able to stream that nonsense. They can stream it. That junk could be floating through this room right now if God wouldn't allow it. That same nonsense and foolish things out of hell. So it's obvious what they were living in. Everybody with me? Now this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. And it's on the screen too. Go to chapter 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Why didn't he write Vanessa's name in there? Why didn't he write Sister Ruby's name in there? Why didn't he write Bethany or Brother Moses or Dad or Nathan or my name? Why didn't he write that in there? Because faith is a revelation. And when you say, me, he said, I send unto you, me, Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, he's sending for me. Not to worship a man, none of those things, but to see what God did in that man. I love that, that analogy Brother Timothy used Friday night. He said, if you're dying of thirst and you walk into some place trying to get some water, you couldn't, you couldn't care what the glass looked like as long as you got the water. You couldn't care. We're not, and it's just God going through a man. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, the water that I give you to drink shall come out of your bellies flowing rivers of living water. Well, no, I don't want to follow a man. I don't want to do that. But when you look and see it's lining up with the scripture and God is speaking right through that, you know what? Get me in line. Call me anything you want to call me. I'm in line. I'm getting my portion. You call me whatever you want to call me. I'm getting my portion. I ain't missing out. I'll send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, I think it's, it's Matthew 27 that Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he said that if this doesn't happen, that he won't find it. Yes, you have a measure of faith, but it ain't rapturing faith. Every man is given a measure of faith. You believe that when you turn that light switch on, it's going to come on. You believe that you're going to take the next breath. You believe when you go to stand up, you actually believe you're going to walk. Basic, basic, basic. But he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, that doesn't just apply to me and my dad or Levi to me or vice versa, any of those things. That takes you all the way back to the beginning when the Holy Ghost fell. Let's take that. Let's turn back to that faith because we're talking about a restoring. We're talking about a restoration. Joel 2, working through the book of Joel. I will restore, saith the Lord. I will restore, saith the Lord. Here's what he'll do. He will restore your heart to believe looking just like that. Built the same way, talking the same way, believing the same way. I know enough people that hate the idea of that, that they couldn't care if their shadows healed anybody. They couldn't care. I will not be called Pentecost. I will not go back to that. I will not have my life torn down to match the template of the word. Won't do it. But your shadow ain't healed nobody. So you're not bearing the fruit of Christ. It ain't about those men. It's about what God did in that day. God has a process. God has a provided way. And you must and only come God's provided way. So now it brings us back to this verse. I send you Elijah the prophet. And again, I'm out of time. Jesus tells them. They, they asked Jesus. They said this question right here. Um, I thought Elias was supposed to come before you came. 
Malachi chapter 3. They knew the scripture. They knew John. They knew that, that uh, Malachi chapter 3 said, I'll send Elijah the prophet before he comes. Okay, we believe that. We understand that. They tell Jesus, I thought you said he was supposed to come. Jesus makes this weird, strange statement. Elias has come, and he shall yet come. He has come, he shall yet come. And they're like, I mean, he's going to circle back? What's he... No, you got to understand the use of God, what God's plan was for. From the first Elijah to Elisha to John the Baptist to William Branham and then Revelation chapter 11. Same one, God using that spirit. And God has a purpose and a, and a plan behind each one of them. And we just read to you that what God will do is he'll restore. He'll turn your hearts back to the word. See, it was getting tricky right there now. So many people will say that we only want the word. We only want the word. We only want the word. This one turned you back to the word. You could not have the word without what he did because you didn't understand the word. The word had been in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of public opinion, as watered down and as useless and of none effect. There's a key key sentence right there, none effect. See, you call me silly all you want. I want the word of God to have effect in my life. You call me as Pentecostal, as simple, as silly as you want to be. I want the word of God to have effect in my life. I want it to change me. I want it to change my family. I want it to change our church. I want it to take effect. I want it to take effect. You love him this morning? I love him so much. Turn to Revelation chapter 10. We'll catch that real quick and then we'll close. Revelation chapter 10 verse 7. Now, as she's putting that verse up there, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of what just happened. The mighty angel come forward. He stepped forward. He proved that he's not dead. He proved that he is alive. He proved that he is all power just in the very sentence of what he did. There's not a big enough human on the planet. There's not a big enough human on the planet that can step out in the middle of the ocean, put one foot on sea, one foot upon the shore, and says time is no more. So you know who this is. This is the same one that said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Same one. So all these things just happen. And you understand what God is doing. Seal those things up. This is coming forward. It's about to happen. Verse 7. Chapter 10, verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Okay. I feel like that hit a little bit. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19. His servants, the prophets, revealed unto his servants, the prophets. This seventh angel message, his servants, the prophets. Revelation chapter 19, there's an angel standing there showing John all these things as he's giving him a vision of all of heaven, of the future home, of the invisible union, of the rapture, and of all these chains. He's giving him all this revelation. And now he said he sends there, and in verse 8, we'll pick it right there, and to her was granted the bride that she would be arrayed in linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, the angel, that angel, that angel, I'm going to wear you out, that angel said unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage of of the Lamb, and he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Yeah. That's a given. That's a given. 
I jump you right back to the, the parable of the wedding supper back there in Matthew. He said that, that the call was going out. You send my servants out. You compel them to come in. You go out there, the highways, the hedges, the, the byways. You compel them to come in. And he said, now they're sitting right here. They've all been called to the marriage supper. These are the true sayings of God. We would say, yes, that's nothing but the truth. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Then verse 10, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, only worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He tried to bow to a prophet. He tried to bow to a prophet. Fellow servants, the prophets. Fellow servants, the prophets. He tried to bow down to the prophet, but it was a prophet. See, Revelation 10, 7, when the seventh angel begins to sound, Revelation chapter 1 says, seven stars the hands of Jesus, and those same ones of each angel, of each messenger. But you understand that's a man. It's a prophet. The voice of prophecy. The, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. That testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You still with me? And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I'm of thy fellow servant and of the brethren, of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Wouldn't you like someone to say to you, you got a testimony of Jesus? I'd scream all day long, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. It's not just I believe it, but other people can see that fruit. See that fruit in my life. Praise the Lord. Turn over to chapter 22. We have the musicians go ahead and come. Revelation chapter 22. Let's read that in verse 5. There shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. Praise the Lord. It's the same God he is here today. The Lord God giveth him light. We read that earlier. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. The day dawn, the new, that day star is risen. They shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And again, you scream out, amen. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Okay, let's keep tracking. The Lord God sent his servant Okay, I'm still tracking you. I believe you. Keep going. I still see what you're saying. Unto his servants, the things must be done short, which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. He just told you. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. The prophecy, the spirit of prophecy. And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Understandably, understandably, these things, it says God is speaking. It's as if God is, and it's God speaking. No wonder on looking at the unseen that the Lord takes over his voice and you don't even miss a beat. This is not William Brown doing this. I'm the Lord, come down. They couldn't understand that he would do that in one service. The next day, go out and mow his grass. I don't understand. I know that was God speaking. And now you're mowing your grass. Thy servants, the prophets. Thy servants, the prophets. He said, I fell down and to worship before the feet of the angel which showeth me these things. Then saith he unto me, see thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. 
going to read that again. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets. That, he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there, did he? And of them which keep the sayings of this book. This book. And then he didn't follow all that up with worship William Branham. He said worship God. Worship God. Let's stand on our feet this morning and worship God. Amen. That'll do. Oh, I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. Oh, I worship you, Oh, Prince of Peace. This is why. I long to do, Lord, I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. Oh, I worship Lift your hands to him this morning, give him glory. Like that to him again. I worship you, Lord. Oh, I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. Oh, I worship you, Oh, Prince of
grave. Lord, you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Let's bow our heads this morning. your hearts as well great and mighty God Lord Jesus we've seen your splendor we've seen and we marvel Lord we know that we've not even scratched the surface Father what and who you are but Lord we still stand here this morning crying out I want more I want more I want more I want more Oh, how we love you today. We thank you, Lord God, that we love you more today than we did yesterday and the day before that and the years before that, Lord. Finally coming into a relationship with you, Lord, that it's no longer me that lives, but you that lives within me. We humbly bow before your feet this morning, Lord God. Lord, we have sung and testified that you are the greatest, you're the mightiest, and you keep your word. You're not just spouting things off in arrogance or in pride, Lord, but you very simply keep your word. Lord, we love you so much for that, Father. We pray now, Lord, as we stand here this morning, your word has come forth. I pray that you would quicken it to the heart of each individual, that you would so make our hearts and our lives so much more alive in you than we've ever been to be set on fire with your Holy Ghost, Lord. We want to be that bright, shining light, Lord, for the whole world to see. Not to see us. We don't want nobody to see us. We only want them to see you, Lord. We surrender all that we are. We surrender all of our thoughts, all of our wants, all of our desires, anything that's not pleasing to you, Lord God. We want what you want. We appreciate your kindness and your mercy to each one of us here today. We stand here this morning as members of your bride, as members of your bouquet, Lord, of all different flowers. But Lord, you created each one of us. You know what each one of us are going through, what each one of us need at this exact moment. And you're the God that meets needs. Your word promised to supply all of them according to your riches and glory. And not one of us here this morning think that you went bankrupt. Not one of us think that you're wore out, that you're getting too old, that it's time to retire, Lord. We believe that you're still strong in battle. You're still mighty to save. You still give the Holy Ghost. You still quicken lives. You still bring revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of you, Lord. We, we believe that this morning with all that's within us. And, Lord, we want your word to live in us. Not just a letter, but we want the Spirit and your life, Lord God, and your Word, that full mechanic and dynamic working in your body, Lord God, that we might bring about your will and your preeminence in your people upon this earth, Lord. We surrender all that we are to you. We love you and appreciate you. I pray you be with our brothers and sisters as they go their separate ways, that you keep them, Lord God, in the palm of your hands, that they would know, Lord, that they're safe and secure from all alarm, 
in your arms, Lord. Bless them in such a special way, Lord, for their being so faithful to come and hear your word, Lord. Lord, let it grow in us. Draw us, and we will run after you, Lord. Bless us, we pray. And you're wonderful and holy and mighty, most beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ.